the evening. Thank you. It is a privilege to be with you here tonight and to be able to visit the church here. Uh, Danielle and I and the kids are over for about two and a half months uh, visiting, I think, about 40 churches here in the province. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity that we've had to come and to uh, give a report of what the Lord is doing in Mexico City. Uh, we serve under the North American Presbytery, so we're not over here in Ulster very often, as you can imagine, uh, but it is good to be here and to give this report. I will give a short report, and then, as your minister mentioned, we'll be showing the video presentation tomorrow. I encourage you to come and watch that. It is maybe different to, to hear what someone says and then to watch and see faces and see the places and people that, that I'm mentioning. Uh, but Danielle and I went down to Mexico City in 2010. Mexico City is one of the largest cities in the world. We have a, a metropolitan area of over 20 million people. And that's approximately, if I understand correctly, the population of Northern Ireland, Ireland, Wales, and Scotland, all in one city. So if you can try to wrap your heads around that. There's a great opportunity in Mexico City, but a great need as well. And not just for one missionary family or one church, but for many churches. And many opportunities for the Lord's gospel to be uh, proclaimed there. This church started in January 2012. We started with 13 people in our home, and the Lord has given us uh, growth over the years, almost 12 years of the church. And the Lord has brought in people to be saved, to be baptized, and to be added to the church. And we have an attendance on Sunday of about 100 people. And we're very thankful for that. As you say, as you understand, in, in a place as big as Mexico City, 100 people is just really a drop in the bucket. But we're thankful for what the Lord has done and for the beginning of the work there uh, in Mexico. Obviously, we focused on many things over the years, but one of the main things that we've been praying to the Lord over the years for uh, is for men to be raised up to serve in the church. And our church was constituted in 2017, and we have six deacons now, but we still don't have elders. And that's one of the things we've been working on for a long time. That's a difficult situation on the mission field. It's difficult anywhere, of course, but especially on the mission field to have men come along who are able, who are prepared to serve the Lord in that way. Because we have in our church almost exclusively first-generation Christians. Uh, we don't have, like you have here, or like we have back in the U.S., people whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were Christians. We don't have a couple hundred years or longer of Christian history and, and biblical principles that our country has been founded on. Um, the Reformation didn't come to Mexico. The Reformation really only came to Mexico in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, in the 1500s, when what, what Lord was doing here in Europe... What came to Mexico about that time was the Roman Catholic Church. So you can understand that we're dealing with people who are coming out of Roman Catholicism, many times coming out of Roman Catholicism into a false church, like a charismatic church, and so to have them come along and to learn sound doctrine and to have that desire in their hearts to minister, uh, it's a big step forward for us. We have two men, young men, who are under care of a North American presbytery who are studying for the ministry, uh, that's a big blessing for us. We have one man who's in his final year of seminary and another who has uh, two years to go. It's very encouraging to us because then it's not just us who have gone down to preach and to, uh, to be in the church there, but the Lord is raising up local men, raising up young men in Mexico that have a desire to serve him as pastors as well. We pray for them that the Lord would guide them as to where he would have them to go. And in our local church, just recently we've, uh, we have three men who are candidates to be ruling elders. And Lord willing, at the beginning of this next calendar year, we will have an election, our first election for ruling elders in our church. And again, I think you understand how important that is for a local church, not just to have the minister, but also the ruling elders who are just essential 
to the work of the local church. And it's been a long time coming, and we ask that you would pray for our church in a time of transition, because there will be some things that are different, and especially for those three men, that if the Lord would have them to be elected to that role, uh, that the Lord would protect them and their families and help them as they take on that role to, to pass through the flock uh, along with me. It's not just our local church in Mexico, but the Lord has allowed us over the years that we've been down there to have contact and to come into very close fellowship with some other men and churches. Now, we went down to Mexico by ourselves, and the Lord helped us as we began the church, but within the first couple of years, we started having contact with other men in Mexico who were interested in specifically the Free Presbyterian Church. And over the years, we've formed a small group together. There's six of us now. There's five churches in Mexico and one church in the Dominican Republic. And we're working, to, working together. Two of the men uh, have been ordained by our North American Presbytery and their church is constituted as well. So that's three churches now we have in Latin America who have been constituted. And the three other churches, are, our mission works, the men are preparing uh, with seminary classes, they're preparing their churches to come along. And the desire that we have in, in the door that the Lord has opened over these years is to have a presbytery in Mexico. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're looking, to, looking towards, uh, to form a Mexican Free Presbyterian Church. That's something that's important because as you go into another culture, uh, another language, another country, um, it's important to have that, that local uh, presbytery. And so we're asking the Lord to help us with that, um, that he would guide us in how, that we, would, how should we should go forward uh, in that way. Those are some very specific things that you can pray for us and for the church in Mexico, and not just for the church in Mexico City, but as I mentioned, in wider Latin America, and really not just in the churches I mentioned either, because recently, over the last year or two, uh, we've gotten contact from other men in other Latin American countries like Argentina, Colombia, Guatemala. And the Lord is doing a work because there are, are men who are looking to be taught. Some, some people are contacting us and asking to be taught sound doctrine because, again, they're coming out of a Roman Catholic culture many times have gone into a charismatic church or other type of false teaching, and they're coming out of that. The Lord is opening their eyes and showing them what is sound doctrine, what is biblical truth, and they're asking to be taught. And some of them are even asking to have free Presbyterian churches established in their cities. Um, that's a long-term thing because we don't have the men for that right now, nor the resources. But as the Lord opens doors, we trust that he will provide as well the men that we need, the resource that, resources that we need to go through those doors. Uh, but we really need your prayers. Um, obviously, we're very far away. And many of you, most of you, or maybe all of you, hadn't ever even heard about the work in Mexico. That's why it's been good for us to come on this trip and give a very short report of what the Lord is doing. Because we really do need your prayers. Um, and we felt that over the years that we've been down there that what the Lord is doing, he is clearly doing because of and through the prayers of God's people all over the world. And so we ask that you would join in with that for us and for the work the Lord is doing in Latin America. And that's why I want to bring before you as we turn to the Word of God this evening in Acts chapter 13, I want to encourage you and to exhort you that every Christian should be participating in the missionary work of the Lord. Acts chapter 13, we'll read verses 1 through 5 and then turn over to Acts chapter 14 and read verses 21 to 28. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1 and reading down to verse 5. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, 
and Lucius of Cyrene, the Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John to their minister. Over in chapter 14, verse 21, and reading to the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. After they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to apply his word to our hearts. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, to come and to worship you, to thank you for what you have done, to praise you for the harvest, to praise you for the good things that you have given to us and that you always give to us. First of all, in our salvation through Jesus Christ and then the material and temporal things that you bless us with every day. And to thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your word that we have in our hands and our own language. And pray, Lord, that you would take the message this evening and apply it to our hearts. Help each one to understand. And may your Holy Spirit take what you want to be said and apply it to every heart. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. While not every Christian is a missionary, every Christian should be involved in missionary work. This is very simply what I want us to consider in this message this evening. It's very important, both parts of that sentence. While not every Christian is a missionary, every Christian should be involved in missionary work. Let me be very clear, because maybe that goes against what you've heard someone else say. When I say not every Christian is a missionary, what I want to be very clear about is that every Christian is, of course, called to evangelize. Every Christian is called to be a witness. Every Christian, without exception, is called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere he is and everywhere he goes. That's beyond doubt. But I also think it's very important to be precise in the terms that we use. And historically, the word missionary is a term that's been used to talk about someone who goes to witness for the Lord and, and evangelize and spread the gospel in another culture. Quite often, another country, but at least another culture to another people group. And I think that's a very important distinction because the danger of saying Everybody is a missionary. You're a missionary in your home, at your job, in your school, at your work. Is that nobody, nobody then is really exercised to get up and go someplace else and serve the Lord as a missionary. Again, let me be very clear. You are to be a witness to the Lord. You are to evangelize. You are to spread the gospel at home, at school, at work, with your neighbors. But not every Christian is a missionary. The Lord has called some specifically to leave behind their culture, to leave behind the comfort of their home, and to go someplace else to spread the gospel and serve the Lord. 
Now, at the same time, to avoid going to another extreme, a missionary is not some super-Christian just because he's gone to another country. Someone is not extra special just because they minister or pastor, just as so many do, but in another country. A missionary, in some sense, is just a normal Christian living out his Christian life or preaching or ministering the gospel in another language, another culture, another place, just as so many do all across the world. So not every Christian is a missionary, but every Christian is to be involved in missionary work. And we see the principle in the two passages that we read here today. We can see, first of all, that some Christians participate in missionary work in their own local church, and some Christians participate in missionary work as going out as missionaries. But whatever God has called each Christian to do, every single Christian, without a doubt, is called to be part of the missionary work of the Lord. Let's look at these two principles. First of all, some Christians are involved in missionary work in their own local church. Now, to see that, we go back to Acts chapter 13 in the first verses. Acts 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now we read that, and our minds immediately go to Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas are the famous missionaries. Paul and Barnabas are the ones that we, we hear about the most. We, we teach our kids from the time they're little about Paul and Barnabas and their missionary journeys. But how often do we think about and how often have we heard preached about the local church at Antioch that sent out Paul and Barnabas as missionaries? Probably a lot less. But we should because we cannot underestimate the importance of the local church in missionary work. We see some principles here about that church. We see, first of all, in in verse 1, that this was an active local church. This was a local church that was training people. There's a list here of men who were serving and ministering in the local church. I'm sure there were others as well. It wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. There's a reason that we have a list of other men mentioned as well. This was a church in which people were active in, in participating, as every local church should be. And I remind you that the local church is not for you just to attend The local church is for you to participate, to serve, and to minister. Every one of you, not just the pastor, the elders, the deacons, every Christian can be, should be involved in their own local church. And if we're talking about the context of of missionary work, well, think about the influence of the local church on future missionaries. We start with the children. Sunday school is so important. You have the uh, children's clubs and and ministries to children, parents, your, your children in your own home. All this teaching that comes out of the local church, the the encouragement, the fellowship, the family atmosphere of the local church, that affects the children. They're they're learning things from the time they're little, and the Lord many times uses that for when the children grow up and he sends them out on the mission field. That's part of the work of the local church. Or with the young people that get older and you have youth fellowship and youth meetings and, again, families at home, and the interaction here in the church, all that is, is so important for the Lord to be able to, to mold their hearts and to call some to go out and serve him someplace else. Those who preach from the pulpit, those who teach in, in different contexts of, of the local church, all of that is important in the training up of future missionaries, in the training of men and women to go out and to spread the gospel someplace else. 
Every Christian can be involved in missionary work in their own local church. This was a church that was active, that was participating. It was also a local church that sent out missionaries, as we see there in verses 2 and 3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So in this church, there were, there were men who were ministering. There were men who were working. It was the place where people were getting involved and being trained to go out, and then some went out. The Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas specifically. He separated them for this ministry, and the church didn't say, no, we can't lose Paul and Barnabas. And think about that. How amazing would it be to have Paul and Barnabas in your local church? Can you imagine how blessed the local church at Antioch was with the ministry of Paul and Barnabas? But when the Lord called them, the church confirmed that call and sent them out. And I mention that because in, in every local church, and as a minister I feel this as well, you have children, young people, and adults in your church, and you don't want to see them go. You want to see your local church grow. There's something for everybody to do. You want people to grow up in the church and then stay in the church and be a part of the local church but sometimes we have to let them go as well. The Lord calls someone or some people in the church to go out and serve him elsewhere. The church should never, ever discourage that. The church should be thankful and joyful that the Lord has given that privilege and touched the hearts of some to go out. And that applies as well to us as parents. Because our children are not ours. Our children do not belong to us. And if the Lord would call some of our children or grandchildren, to go out to the foreign mission field and maybe you don't see them very often. You don't see your children, you don't see your grandchildren often, and, and you have that maybe little thing in the back of your mind that, no, don't go, stay home, stay close. Our children don't belong to us. If the Lord calls them to go, or the Lord calls anyone in the local church to go, the local church should be encouraging, should be praying for that, should be willing to send those out who the Lord has called to go on the mission field. It's not always easy, but that's what God has called the local church to do. And of course, this church was also a local church that supported their missionaries. If we go back over to chapter 14 and verse 21, here we come to the end of the first missionary journey. This is in verse 21, that when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. It says down in verse 26, and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So the missionaries went out. Paul and Barnabas went out and they served the Lord. And what happened at the end of the missionary journey? They went back to their home church. And I'll touch on that more in the second part as far as what they did. But I think we see here very clearly, although implicitly, that the local church at Antioch had been supporting Paul and Barnabas the whole time they were out on their missionary journey. Why do I say that? Because they came back. They felt comfortable enough to go back to their home church. It says in verse 28, there they abode long time with the disciples. They were comfortable in their home church that had sent them out to come back and spend time at the end of their missionary journey. And that tells me their church had been supporting them while they were out on the field, at least in prayer, if not in other practical ways. That's what a local church does. A local church provides the training, provides the place for the Lord to raise up missionaries. The local church, local churches send out the missionaries, and the local churches support the missionaries 
who go out. And all those things are important. And you might think sometimes the people who are important are the missionaries who go out. But you're just as important. And I really do mean that. I'm not just saying that for emphasis. Because if there are not people in the local churches at home supporting the missionaries who go out, there's very little we can do on the mission field. And so the Lord uses both those who go and those who stay. And so I want to encourage you this evening as people who are part of a local church, you can be involved in missionary work here. Your prayer support, your giving, is so important to the missionaries who are in the field. Your prayers that the Lord would raise out future missionaries from this church and the training of the young people, the children, all those things are so important. That every single Christian, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter what age you are, you are involved in missionary work here in your own local church. That's the first principle we see from this passage. The second principle, of course, is that some Christians are involved in missionary work as missionaries who go out from their local church. And of course, we go back to Acts chapter 13, and we see the the Holy Ghost in verse 2 separated Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein he had called them. They were sent away in verse 3, and it says in verse 4, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So Paul and Barnabas were in their local church at Antioch. They were being prepared. They were ministering in that local church. They were sent out from their local church as missionaries. First of all, I want you to see that Paul and Barnabas were already active in their local church before they were called to go out and serve as missionaries. And I emphasize that because it is not the case where the Lord calls someone to be a missionary and they go and once they cross the border into another country, they start getting a passion for sharing the gospel and for ministering to the Lord. If someone is not ministering for the Lord in some way in their own local church, they're not going to do it on the foreign fields. There's nothing magical about going to another country all of a sudden gives someone the desire or the passion to share the gospel. Verse 2 says, chapter 13 and verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit called them. And so if the Lord calls someone here to be a missionary, he's going to call those who are already active in this local church, those who are already ministering, participating, active in their local church. In Paul and Barnabas were called. We see the internal call of the Holy Ghost. He separated them. He called them. And then the church confirmed that. The church called them as well. The church sent them out. It wasn't just Paul and Barnabas deciding on their own they were going to go someplace else and serve the Lord. They were supervised biblically by their local church. We have the same thing with our local churches, our presbytery. There's a supervision over the missionaries. There's a sending out of the missionaries. That's so important for accountability, for support. That's what happens when we send out missionaries. What did Paul and Barnabas do when they went out? What does a missionary do when he goes out on the field? We read in verse 5, it says, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. In chapter 14, verse 21, it talks about when they had preached the gospel to that city. And maybe that's too obvious to say a missionary goes out to share the gospel. Of course, of course that's what a missionary does. Well, I emphasize that because we are coming to a point in our day, in our culture, where there's a very big push with the social gospel and sending missionaries out to do social work. We do not send missionaries out simply to feed the hungry and clothe the, feed the, 
feed the hungry and clothe the poor. Those are good things. Those are things that are many times involved in missionary work. A lot of times that's what we're doing, but that is not the main thing, and that is not the main reason why we send out missionaries. Why not? Because unbelievers can do that. Unbelievers can feed the hungry, clothe the poor, and teach them to read. And again, I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are very good things. But only believers can go out and share the gospel, and that's what people need. People need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ They need to hear about their sin and the only solution to their sin in Christ, in the gospel. Because that's forever. You see, their soul saved. And then, of course, we try to help with their physical and temporal needs. That's the principle we see here in the book of Acts as well. Paul and Barnabas went out and preached the gospel. But if we see in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, they weren't just getting up and preaching and then leaving. It says they were confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So Paul and Barnabas were involved as well in the lives of these new believers. They preached, the Lord saved them, but then Paul and Barnabas were discipling them. They were coming alongside them. They were exhorting them to continue to persevere in their faith. They were teaching them about suffering and suffering with them, as we read in the book of Acts. So in verse 23, they ordained them elders in every church. Again, they were not just preaching and just leaving the believers behind. They were establishing biblical, healthy local churches with elders, with biblical church government before they left and went someplace else. These are all things that the missionary does. These are the things that we desire to do when we go on the mission field. Preach the gospel. Pray that the Lord would save men and women, young people and children. We disciple them. We bring them along. We hope to establish elders in every church and have a biblical church government. That's what a missionary does. In verses 26 to 28, as we already read, the missionary comes back home. They sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And that's what we do as missionaries as well. Sometimes it's a little more often, sometimes We spend a lot more years on the field, but it's always good for the missionary to come back. Why is that? What's biblical as we see it here? Paul and Barnabas came back. They gathered the church together. Notice they didn't just have a meeting of the leaders either. They gathered the whole church together because the whole church had been supporting them and praying for them. And they rehearsed all that God had done with them. They gave a report. And that's to be encouraging to the local churches. We hope it's encouraging when you hear what the Lord is doing in other countries, but many times you don't know, you don't hear what the Lord is doing in other places. So sometimes we get really, really focused on our own city or country or whatever it might be, our own immediate context, and we forget about what the Lord is doing in so many other places across the world. And that's to be encouraging because sometimes at home, it's the same thing in the U.S. now, as I think it is here. It can be a bit discouraging at times because Maybe some lived in times of of great spiritual blessing and great revival, and you're not seeing that now. Or maybe you've heard about those times, and we'd love to see it again, and it, it doesn't seem to be happening in the same way. Well, first of all, remember the Lord is sovereign, and he works in large multitudes, and he works in small groups. The Lord is not constrained. But also understand that the Lord is doing what he did here in North America in centuries past. He's starting to do that in Latin America now. The Lord is opening doors left and right for the preaching of the gospel and the understanding of sound doctrine. 
and not just in Mexico, in many other countries as well. And that should be encouraging here back home because it's the same family. It's the same body of Christ. And you may never get to Mexico and meet the people there, and they'll probably never come here, but we will spend eternity together. We will be in heaven together forever because we're part of the same family, and so we should be encouraged that the Lord is still building his church as he has promised to do. And it's encouraging for the missionary to come back as well and to come back to places where people have been praying for them over the years or people will begin praying for them. Because as I mentioned before, that's what we need. That's what the Lord uses on the mission field. It's really nothing to do with us or what we're doing. The Lord uses the prayers of his people and uses us as instruments for the extension of his work. And so a missionary comes back home and gives a report to encourage himself, to encourage the churches. So then, what is your participation in the missionary work of the Lord? Every one of you needs to ask that question and answer it. Every Christian should be involved. Now, I say every Christian because until someone has received the salvation that God gives only by his grace, well, how can they be involved in missionary work? If that person has nothing to tell. They can't tell the good news to others because they haven't received it for themselves first. And so I do think it's important for all of us here today to meditate on that and ask that question. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you repented of your sins and trust only in the blood of Christ to save you? Or are you depending on your good works? Are you depending on your church attendance? Are you depending on being a good person to get to heaven? That's the first thing. And nobody should assume, whether it's children or young people or adults as well, you're not saved by being in the Christian family. You're not saved because your parents are saved. You're not saved because you attend church. You're not saved because you've been here for 50 years. You're saved only through the work of Jesus Christ. I want us all to consider that. I pray the Lord will work in each heart. But then every Christian, every child of God, should be involved in some way in missionary work. And I do want to encourage you as part of this local church, that you are important, that you are involved in missionary work. But there's a bit of a balance to strike here as well, because while I want to be encouraging to all who are part of this church and the many who will stay here, the Lord is still calling men and women and young people and children to go and be missionaries someplace else. I don't want everybody to feel so comfortable in their local church that they never even consider the possibility of going someplace else. I said children and young people. The Lord first, first touched my heart and gave me a burden for the mission field when I was seven. And so parents, I have young kids or the young kids here in this church, don't think the Lord can't work in their hearts from a very young age. And as they get older as well, the Lord can put that desire in their hearts. Young people here, it's so important not to get pulled away by the temptations of the world. The world is saying, Study hard in school, get a good job, make lots of money, and make a name for yourself. That's temporary. That doesn't last very long. Have you ever considered serving the Lord in full-time Christian ministry, whether here at home or on the field? Because there's so much need. You know there's need in our own denomination here or in North America, and there's so much need on the mission field. We pray the Lord will continue to raise up men and women to go out and to serve the Lord someplace else. Leave behind family and comfort in what's normal and serve him someplace else. It's been our prayer as we are visiting the churches that the Lord would do that, the Lord would touch hearts 
and would work in the hearts of the young people of our denomination to serve him in that way. So don't ignore the possibility. No matter what age you are, not just children, young people either, the Lord can use people from every age. And maybe you think, I could never do that. I'm settled here. I have a good job. I have a good situation. And that's wonderful. The Lord calls you to stay here. Stay here. But ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And for those who will stay, pray for us. Pray for all your missionaries. Learn to pray specifically and fervently for the missionary's family as well as for the missionary church. And continue to give. Give generously. Give consistently because although you may stay at home and maybe never go out on the foreign field, you're a part of the work in the support you give us as missionaries. And at the end of the day, let's continue to trust in God's sovereignty for success in ministry. I want to end with Acts 14, verse 26. It says, And then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. See, we're to be involved in missionary work. That's been the whole thrust of my message. All of us are to be involved in missionary work. But only God can give the increase. And so the focus is on him. And he receives all the glory. That's what Paul and Barnabas did in verse 27. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. What the Lord is doing, what is happening on the mission field is the Lord's work. It has nothing to do with the missionary. And so we praise him and we give him all the glory and we trust in his sovereignty for success, whether here at home or on the mission field, because the Lord always gives success. He always gives spiritual success in his own time. So let's all be involved in missionary work. Let's all do our part in the missionary work of the Lord for his glory.